What are you listening to for the next half hour? Think again, my friend. All right, so you're going to play the theme song and get us started? <sighs> Hello, darlings. Let's let's institute as many new traditions and segments as we can for what is has even odds of being our last episode. Uh, whoa, whoa. <laughs> that seems... As do they all, to be clear. Sure. <laughs> to I mean, be fair. We've been on the bubble for a long time. Right. And, you know, the mega quick. Although any time. Yeah. Although the beginning of next year, it's our um, it's our 10 year anniversary. So Ooh, we can just get wow. right back together for the reunion and we'll true? almost be on schedule. I, I love it. I think we started in 2010. Oh, God, I think you're right. Yeah. <sighs> I maybe I think it was. Is actually this the longest running podcast in history? Yes, it must be. I think so. Incontrovertible. There's no Probably evidence to the like contrary. We should have a in the top 500. A question about that. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, listeners. Uh, welcome to Think Again, my friend. Your quiz show podcast. I'm your host, Mike Sugarbaker. Will the panelists introduce themselves in a random order? My name's Ed Hawkins. I've never been to Turkmenistan. Uh, I'm Kat Jersich, and I'm woefully underprepared. All right. My name is Brendan Adkins, and I am a bat dog. All right. How dare you talk about bat dogs already? Uh, my name is Kristen McCurdy, and I am flea and tick free. Excellent. Good news. Good news all around. <laughs> Wish I could say the same. <laughs> Me too. We are talking about animals in sports today and whenever you listen to us. In person or on a recording. No, I don't like that bit. <laughs> I don't like it. I mean, it's incontrovertible. Didn't it didn't go well? Some of us talk about mm-hmm. Airbud a lot, even when we're not recording things. <laughs> we talk about animals a lot. I feel like we don't talk about sports a lot, and that that that's a that's that's where we're sort of stretching. That's our. I feel like I feel like there should be. A sports metaphor that I should know. The thing about me in sports is that I feel like I understand the language of sports when I hear it, but I don't speak it. Mm. I, I am not fluent. <laughs> I, I, I can, I can like order a beer and figure out where the bathroom is in sports, but I can't like. <laughs> Which is presumably I, the opposite I would feel of your relationship. Comfortable traveling in the country without a guide. Is it? Is it a language of sports or is it just a rhythm? There's is a just, rhythm of sports, I, I think, that is, is, that is, it's, that makes it a very pleasant language to listen to for me. Like, I don't mind, like, having basketball games on all the time, which is good because I live in my house. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Sports Talk. Let's talk more sports. <laughs> Let's talk about talk. Let's ask questions. Um, mm. Brandon, why don't you go first? I will go first. Because you already you know? had spoilers. That's correct. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to ask you all to tell me the shape of a standard turtle racing track. The and shape of a standard turtle racing track. Yes, and uh, where on it the turtles start. I'm going to say figure eight, and they start from the center. <laughs> I'm going to say a circle, and they start from the center. Mm. I think a box, but they start from the corners. <laughs> you have no options left. <laughs> it's a three-dimensional cube. A Klein bottle. The bottom of the ocean. <laughs> uh, I, no, I'm going to agree with that. I think it's a. I think it's a figure eight with the turtles starting in the center because that maximizes like the really hot collision action. <laughs> I don't think that's what turtles racing spectators are typically looking for. Kristen has it correct. Uh, you just make a ring. On the floor or uh, on, you know, in the middle of your bar and you put yeah. all the turtles in the middle and the first one to get past the edge of the circle is the winner. Just literally I, you went in a direction. Yeah. Right. yeah. Exactly. I had actually forgotten this, but when I was uh, in third grade, I went to visit my with my mom and aunt and I went to visit my cousin who was a freshman uh, at the University of Idaho and she was in a sorority. 
and all of the sororities or all of the fraternities, one of which, anyway, the the Greeks were having a turtle race that weekend. And, um, and, and that was what it was. Are we uncovering a repressed memory here? (laughs) Yeah. The, the, the part of it that was very cute is that somebody actually entered a rabbit and the rabbit got distracted by like eating grass or maybe some lettuce or something that somebody had dropped on the ground and just did not even place. <laughs> it's all true. Tur- turtle racing sounds like a sport not uh, not hampered by a lot of rules or standardization. I believe you're correct. As far as I know, there is not a national league of any sort or governing body. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it was just like all the different Greek houses had bought a turtle at the pet store or everybody, ha- you know, whoever was running the race had bought turtles at the pet store and then your house your houses were competing against each other and i don't know whoever won took got, all the turtles took all the turtles and got like <laughs> that a, sounds like the losers keg or maybe like some it was probably a fundraiser for charity and i'm i'm gonna get angry emails from <laughs> people <laughs> from who the have strong... people just for some reason <laughs> right yeah wait we get emails on this show <laughs> <laughs> It's all this part of my it. plan. This is going to be They'll the first time I get any any emails whatsoever. <laughs> we should say before we go any further, uh, content warning for a couple of bad kinds of animals, maybe, and maybe bad things happening to some animals. I, I oh. tried to avoid that in my question seeking because generally, sure, when you have humans G- making animals compete, it doesn't go well. Yeah, Gen- generally. <laughs> Definitely, definitely in that case, that is not cool. No. And, and, and if that is something you were doing, you should be getting a lot of angry emails. For sure, for sure. <laughs> and and probably in legal trouble as well. But Well, I'm sorry to say that the vast majority of my questions surround at least some amount of animal trauma. It's incredibly difficult to find animals participating in sports where they don't experience some kind of trauma. Yes, that's mm. true. And people. True. You know, getting yeah. bullied on the soccer field. At, at, least, at, least, at least people tend to consent to their participation in sports after they're about 18. That's a long time to play sports. That's true. I never consented to T-ball, for instance. Yeah, yet. exactly. I'm in the game for the consent. I'm going to get it. <laughs> I have one more turtle racing question. Yes. Uh, in 1948... Ambrose W. Grow filed and received a patent for a turtle racing track, which allowed multiple spectators to watch all the turtles simultaneously and encouraged the turtles to start racing simultaneously. What shape was it? Mobius strip. <laughs> I just keep thinking of that mousetrap game. <laughs> That's all I can think about. Uh, was it? Was it a cone? You're not going to tell me yet. Because interesting that's theory, not how this works. Uh, was it just like a a, a human racetrack, like a, a bunch of concentric circles? No, uh, it was uh, stair steps. So each turtle had its own individual track, uh, and they were kind of stepped up so that oh, you I could see. see. Not the not, well, so the turtles weren't required to, to ascend no, or they descend were going steps lengthwise along the steps. <laughs> And they had, there was a little ramp downward at the bottom at the, or to the entry start point at the beginning. So you kind of slid the turtle down. And as soon as, in theory, according to the patent, which I read, when their bellies hit the ground, they were like, oh, I got to walk. And hmm. so you put them all down there and then open this gate. And they were like, uh. <laughs> it sounds an awful lot like a Pinewood Derby for turtles where you just let gravity shoot them down a chute. Well, at the beginning, yes. Uh, okay, the, well, good. the majority of the track was flat. I wonder if the majority of our listeners will still know what a Pinewood Derby is. What? It's a Cub Scout thing. What are you suggesting? It is in no way That's euphemism. A good question. It is. <laughs> it is a little. Uh, you take a block of relatively soft wood, pine, perhaps. Yeah, and and. <laughs> You shape it into, uh, I bet they don't always use pine, but uh, you you make a car and you put little wheels on it. And your dad helps you cheat by putting graphite on the wheels. Point, point in fact, right. they almost always are pine because the weight is what makes it. Um, is it still legal to put uh, weights into your car, like to hollow out some space and fill it with something heavier? 
I suspect that depends on which Boy Scout troop you're in. Yeah, as ah. of 1991, yes. Like the Cobra Kai Boy, <laughs> the Cobra Kai Boy Scout tra- troop? Oh, yeah, they put all kinds of weights in their cars. Little electric engines, and then they beat up poor Ralph Macchio. I think... <laughs> I think maybe, maybe my my uh, my local troop didn't really take the whole thing seriously. <laughs> you don't say. Yeah. None do. Well... Except the Cobra Kai. Well. Wow. I'm going to say it one more time. Well. <laughs> Just because I realized I didn't know if I was saying well or wow. I did not think that we would get to the trash talking this early in the podcast. (laughs) Kristen, would you like to ask a question? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not anti-trash talk. I just, (laughs) it just took me by surprise. Um, In 2015, a legal team attempted a cease and desist order against an Orlando, Florida artist named Fernando Sosa for making... 3D figurines of what? A. Rin Tin Tin, B. Left Shark, or C. Blaze the Trail Cat. I'm sorry, what year was this? 2015. Left Shark. Yeah, I gotta say Left Shark. I hope it moved. That's my suspicion as well. Am I supposed to know what Left Shark is? I don't quite know what it is either, but I can just tell. (sighs) Left Shark is a living meme. Okay. That originated during a Super Bowl performance, halftime performance, uh, which Katy Perry was the main performer. There were, as part of the stage show... <laughs> For some reason. On stage dancers, two of whom were in shark costumes and were directly behind her. One of them knew its choreography. <laughs> that one was right shark. <laughs> Left shark went visibly rogue. For about only about like two or three seconds, but that was like <coughs> enough uh, for it to become like a whole a whole thing. I, I for one appreciate the presence of dad explainers. <laughs> Thank That's you. very helpful for me. Yes, uh, my answer is Blaze the Cat. Uh, so the answer is B. Katy Perry's team tried to copyright Left Shark. Oh my! They goodness. also tried to copyright uh, Right Shark, Drunk Shark, and Basking. Shark. Basking? Basking sharks are just an animal. That's just the name of an animal. <laughs> yeah, they, they did not succeed. This has been a scheme all along. <laughs> wow, that makes me sad. Makes me yeah. sad for the sharks. Well, I mean... Who among yeah. us really lost? It was the sharks. The sharks are the ones who lost. Mm. Yeah, well, usually, yes. Let's say shark one more time. Motherfucker. Um, Ed, do you have a question? Oh, I've got questions. <clears throat> let, me clear, <clears throat> let me clear my throat <clears> for <throat> excellent question asking. The 1900 Olympic Games featured the first and last instance that animals were killed on purpose as part of an event at the Games. Yikes. Pigeons were released one at a time from traps and shooters were scored based on how many pigeons were killed. Oh my God. <laughs> Nearly 400 birds were killed during the event, <laughs> leading to protests that eventually led to the banning of the start. <laughs> Prior to the start of the next Olympic Games. And 1900. The Edwardian era, everyone. 1900. All right. What was the winning score? <laughs> uh, so uh, we're point, point of reference, w- one point for one bird. Okay. Two misses and you were eliminated. Okay. I'm going to say, can I get an over under? Oh, I tell you, I'm sorry. I'll give you a multiple choice. Okay. That's how I wrote it. I just forgot to read that part. Um, a, 163. B, 22, or C, 41? I'm going to go B, 22. I'm going to go A. I think B as well. That sounds like the number of, you know, 400 divided by 20 participants. They all got the Mm. same score. (laughs) They all got the same score. (laughs) An amazing event that has somehow never been written about. In 1900, everybody was an expert crack shot. (laughs) A. With pigeons. A, 163. So the correct answer is 22, uh, which is, a, I, I feel like, a surprisingly small score considering everything. Considering the number, the total number. Yeah, the total number. Died. I don't have any information about how many shooters were participating because records are. It's, it's really weird. In the 1900 Olympics, there were like primary events that got medals and non primary events, but none of them were determined to be either Olympian or non Olympian. There were just ones that didn't get medals. For bonus points, which nation was was the winner represented by or oh, representing of? Who are the damn pigeon killers? Who are the best pigeon killers? The pigeon in killers of the nation. Scotland? 
the nation that we call the world. Your choices are all of the nations at 1900. <laughs> I say France. I say England. I'll go with England as well. Uh, uh, good, 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 good guesses. Uh, the winning score of 22 was by Donald McIntosh of Australia. Whoa. Yeah, that um, makes sense. America plays America. <laughs> Wait, why? <laughs> well, Australians hate pigeons. They just, just animals are locked in a life and death battle at, at all times <laughs> with humans. At every moment of Australian life. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, the the American team, the American, I guess contestant whose only name given is Murphy, <laughs> uh, was third place with nineteen. Okay, I was going to ask how close the. Uh, the really next close, two 22, yeah, 21, and 19. Surprisingly wow. close for um, a game which killed 400 pigeons. Wow. Yeah. All right. Um, I have one question. So should I tell it now or later? Tell it? Tell it? <laughs> I will tell it in some sense. Speak it. I will speak my truth from my heart. <laughs> it ends with a question mark. Before As mankind. It does. Before mankind Sorry. discovers how to hit a ball or other sporting implement using a specially trained snake, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. either in the sport of cricket or baseball or perhaps for certain snake species, badminton. Any of the snake ball sports. Really, yes. Um, now all I can think about is just a snake that has swallowed a football. Which seems, and my brain can't not do it as like drawn by Charles Schultz. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was picturing it yeah. in a Hanna Barbera cartoon. Oh, with like exactly yeah. the outline of the football. <laughs> yeah. And then the next panel has the outline of the football player further down the snake. <laughs> Eventually, there's just the, the field goal in the, thing. That, <laughs> in the okay. third panel, Lucy yanks the snake away <laughs> and just addresses the reader directly and says, Shame on you. Yeah. Never put a football in a snake. Right. No matter how delicious the football is. I'm sorry, I, what was this question? Yeah. This question is, before we can use snakes as baseball bats, we have to learn how to properly hold a snake. No. <laughs> I mean, if you don't have goals, whatever. <laughs> so... I reject the premise. <laughs> which of the which of the following is not part of WikiHow's instructions on how to hold a snake? <laughs> this is a bit of a reach, Mike. First, you got to reach for the snake. Let the snake adjust. <laughs> it just seems polite. <laughs> B, wash your hands again. C, pick up the snake from the mid-body area. Wow, never do that. Never ever do that. That's a bad idea. D, handle your snake when it looks a bit tired. (laughs) Or E, all of these are in the instructions on how to hold a snake. Clarifying question, um, how many of these are euphemisms? Um... Or employed as euphemisms specifically? I think they're dysphemisms in this case. Dysphemisms? Yeah. wash your hands. That's you just, a bad idea. It just blew my mind. Um, okay, Kristen, do you have a guess? I'm going to go with E. <laughs> you held up your phone for a second, and it would have been stylish if you just made your guess, like, the next question you want to ask. But um, E, okay, you're Moving going with on. E, with, uh, with all of those are in the instructions. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I guess it depends on the snake. If it's a snake who's... Whose bite can kill? I don't think you want to go mid body, right? That gives it plenty of. I mean, just say this is your snake. Yeah, you can have a venomous snake. I can't. Well, you have to try a little harder in the state of Oregon. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so So your your guess is okay. Is pick up the snake from the mid body area. Okay. I just want to know what other WikiHow article you sourced the the rogue (laughs) choice from. I bet you do. <laughs> uh, a. A is my choice. Going with A. Okay. Answering A to all multiple choice questions. Let the today. snake adjust. All right. This is this good, is this is good. I'm going to be honest. I totally forgot all the answers because I'm thinking about how terrible of an idea it is to pick up a snake in the mid body. 
Um, so I'm just going to go with B. Okay. B sounds Wash like Wash your funny- hands again. Yeah, B sounds like the funniest answer. Yes. <laughs> All right. So the option, handle your snake when it looks a bit tired, is on the uh, preamble to the how to hold a snake instructions marked establishing your presence. <laughs> All of the others uh, are, are in the list of picking up a snake. Apparently, you're supposed to pick it up from, like, the mid-body area, not, like, by the neck or etc. Well, yeah, they don't have, like, a scruff like kittens. Yeah. This is after, you know, putting on protective gloves and boots. And, and boots. <laughs> I didn't realize that was there until I just read that line. Yeah. How long is that snake? I mean, protective... <laughs> it makes sense to me, because if you drop a venomous snake... Where's it going to go? Like, where's it going to strike? Haven't Canada. these people watched Toy Story? Oh. Are we assuming really that good. the I got, I got, I got, I got so many. It was really good. I got so many. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin. I'm going to keep making eye contact with <laughs> you for a minute. Do a question? <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. Um, well, we keep talking about snakes. I mean, if, if everybody has gotten snakes off their chests... We can go on. Almost certainly. That's the we can proceed. You know those weighted blankets? <laughs> <laughs> I want one of those. But made a yeah. snake. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Kat, do you have a question? Yeah. Um, I was very excited about this topic because um, one way I handled my stress last month was getting really into the Iditarod. So, what is the name of the dog who won this year's... Boomer. No. Champ. Challenger. No, wrong. Frankie. Wrong again. <laughs> 42. I'm so sorry. Still wrong. <laughs> the, the name of the award is the Golden Harness Award, oh. which I love. It's the most valuable dog um, oh, in the end of the ride. How, how can you? How can you choose a dog all, who is most valuable? They're all really good dogs. They're all yes. good dogs. They're all really good dogs. But this dog was the most valuable, as determined by the winning musher. Uh, so I gave you some options. A, Fleetwood, B, Morrow, C, Tracy Chapman, D, She's Like the Wind. I don't have any faith in the winner's uh, musical taste anymore. But <laughs> There are dog teams named after um, named after bands. There's a Pink Floyd dog okay. on one of the teams. There's like 12 or 16 dogs on a team most of the time. 12. I mean, that's, that's a lot of dog names to come up with every year. It sounds like they're an awful lot like horse racing names, which are nonsense. Horse racing names have weird rules about yeah. how they can be created. Well, they must. Have to combine your parents' names, and they have to be unique. Is it is it is it like the rules surrounding how you name weed strains? You know, I think probably it is. I've never done that. Weed strain or racehorse would have been a great. That, oh, yeah, that would be great. Yeah, actually, okay. let's, let's put that on the list for and come back. <laughs> and now we've got another episode. Uh, <laughs> My guess is Animals and Sports too. <laughs> <laughs> Weed names. My answer is Tracy Chapman, as it always is. Um, honestly, yeah, Tracy Chapman. My answer is Fleetwood. It was Morrow. Mm. Uh, runner-up though was named <sighs> Lucy. Mm. Um, I kind of wish she had won. Both girls. Huh. Uh, Fleetwood is a great dog name. I it agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. Dibs. I'm, I'm stashing Dibs. that. Mm. Yeah. Dibs. <laughs> <laughs> Not the record state that Cap called dibs. I did, I did, hear, I did hear dibs. I did hear dibs, but no shotgun. Oh. <laughs> I also like Tracy Chapman as a dog name. I'm keep that, that in is my good. Pocket. I like a dibs shotgun for a dog name. <laughs> dibs shotgun is a dog who started off as a blues musician. Yeah. And then entered the 1900 Olympics and shot a bunch of people. I think that might be Barry Sugarwater's dog. I was literally just thinking that. <laughs> Damn it. Dibs shotgun went down to the crossroads. <laughs> Got kind of tired and took a little nap. <laughs> All right. Uh, Brendan, do you have another question? I'm just thinking, I don't have a question about this, but they're uh, one of the worst WrestleMania competitions, apparently, in 1999, involved a cage match with guard dogs patrolling outside it. The guard dogs showed no aggression or interest in the humans at all. <laughs> and instead, just played together, defecated, <laughs> urinated, and copulated <laughs> outside the cage. You said this was the worst? Uh, it's, it, sounds like the best. it sounds good to me, too. 
But I think people did not get what they were looking for from that matchup. Mm. <laughs> Somebody was ready to rumble. All right. This one's about pigeon racing. All right. Uh, earlier this year, in fact, a month ago, was uh, the most expensive racing pigeon ever sold. It was auctioned off. Um, it was purchased by a Chinese buyer. Give me a an order of magnitude in U.S. dollars in terms of the amount that it cost. Um, bonus points if you want to guess its name, which you will not guess, but I want you to guess anyway. I'm going to guess hundreds of thousands and aces high. I am going to say that the pigeon cost $22,000 and its name was Berkowitz. I'm going to say uh, $500,000 and its name was Pete. I think I'll go with $300,000 its name was Tracy Chapman. <laughs> <laughs> mm, yes. All good guesses. Uh, you have all deeply undervalued racing pigeons. What? Um, deeply? The previous uh, most expensive pigeon ever was, I think, $425,000. That was in 2017. Oh, gracious. Uh, its name was Nadine. Uh, <laughs> this one was named Armando. Armando? Ooh. And it sold for $1.4 million. Gracious oh. me, Armando. So point to me because I guess the highest. Yeah, that's a <laughs> that's a lot of unbuttoned shirts, Armando. It was sold by Dutch pigeon breeder Joel Verschoot. And uh, it was listed as a natural ace bird long distance with a quote-unquote record coefficient. Mm. I'm, I'm curious, Brendan, do you know how that bird was transported from buyer to seller? I really wish that I did. $400,000 bird on an airplane sounds both weird and really nervous. I mean, I think probably it was taken home from the auction in person. I'm also, yeah, I'm also wondering, like, how do you insure a bird like that? Because you must insure it. Like, that's, that's. that's It seems impossible that you wouldn't insure it at that cost. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's a pigeon rider on my renter's insurance who's policy. the under how does the underwriter value a pigeon by right, coefficient like, other, what are the chances other. i mean not only you need to keep a bird alive which is hard enough but do you know how pigeon racing works you take all the birds to one place and then you just let them go <laughs> <laughs> and the ones that make it home win so <laughs> so it's less about stamina and more about like realizing your goals yeah exactly you know yeah keeping your eye on the prize you, each pigeon gets a life coach <laughs> it's a lot more like a turtle race than you'd think mm. well first there's Arbundo. a call to adventure then there's resisting the call <laughs> then never mind <laughs> magnetic direction finding. Yeah. yeah 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 <laughs> osprey avoidance is a key factor it should be a key factor in everybody's life frankly but mm. The closest just, we are to the Pacific Ocean, we should spend more time on Osprey avoidance. I just want to make a board game now about a bunch of people who are trying to make money insuring people going on an, on a Campbellian hero's journey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, um, just take the most boring board games and the other most boring board games and make them fight each other. That can't mm, be boring. It's, it's time, yeah. It'd be like that WrestleMania match. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of urination and copulating on the floor. Um, Ed, do you have another question? Oh, I've got questions. I've got a lot of questions. Here's a question. Eel pulling was very popular in the Netherlands during the 19th century. There were two basic forms of the sport. Naturally- <laughs> One of At them- least. <laughs> One of them took advantage of the rope-like qualities of the eel and manifested as a slightly more elaborate tug-of-war, which for some reason required the additional lubrication of soap. I've always believed that eels were fairly slippery on their own. Um, uh, the other version of the game suspended an eel over a canal, and contestants attempted to leap from a boat to grasp the eel. Which version led to a riot? <laughs> which version didn't? Well, I don't have that information. <laughs> That's the same question. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, for what it's worth, I haven't been able to find a, a, a distinct name for the two versions. Uh, I, they I, both I, seem to be called Palingretrigrin. Mm. I got I got distracted in the middle of the question because I started thinking about hagfish, which I don't know if those are a form of eel or not. 
Mm-hmm. They're not. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes called eelfish. They incorrectly. exist, though. They sure do. <laughs> Did you also just listen to that episode? Apologies. No, but but some, somehow the the picture of the overturned hagfish truck on the Oregon coast popped up in my social media feeds again recently. And so now I'm just thinking about that picture, which is a bunch of slimy hagfish on the road. How could which, you not think about it? I know. Like, I, that, that's it. I'm done for what the you day. see when you close your eyes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so then I got this job driving a hagfish truck. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Go a, ahead. A single hagfish. I wrote this down on a social media app recently. <laughs> can contain 20,000 kilometers of thread slime fibers in its body at one that time. That is so hot. Which <sighs> is half of the Earth's circumference. Thread Fuck. slime is a thing that exists, and I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. It's as wide it's as one word. micron. Oh. I, I recently learned a lot about hagfish, and I'm excited you <laughs> brought them up. <laughs> I've never been so hot for a hagfish before. Well, yeah. This they're, they're an unusual weird. but uh, exciting experience. <laughs> I mean, you've come close. I mean, you must have. Yeah, well, sure. I mean, who hasn't? <laughs> okay. Um, my answer is the one that involves the tug of war and the soap. Okay. Mm-hmm. That is also my answer. Okay. All right. Interesting. They're all qualitative answers. So, uh, uh, it was the one snatching the oil from a boat. It was illegal even in 1886 for reasons of... I quote, cruel, popular entertainment. And yet still very popular. In July of that year, police attempted to intervene in a particularly large eel-snatching competition. Sports fans pelted the police with stones until a riot broke out that lasted for several days. Until the military was called, who fired on the rioters, killing 26 and wounding 136. The eel survived and was auctioned off. (laughs) It was auctioned off in 1913. Presumably it was already dead by that point. What was the eel's name? History records not the eel's name. (laughs) Presumably, At least not the website that you looked at. Yeah, at least not these two websites I looked at. Uh, One presumes that it was um, unpronounceable by Americans in the 21st century. Mm. Listeners, name the eel in the comments. (laughs) (laughs) We don't have comments. Send us an angry email. If you you name the eel somewhere, (laughs) let us know where. That's a very good question. All right. Is it me? Is it time? It's time. All right. So my last question, I mentioned Blaze the Trail Cat. What year did Blaze the Trail Cat become the mascot of the Portland Trailblazers? Is it A, 1970, B, 1977, C, 2002, D, there is no Blaze the Trail Cat. I made him up. Um, can, I, can I have two answers? Sure. I choose 1977, and you made them up. <laughs> sure, why I, not? I'm going to choose it's made up because I don't know enough about sports or even the local sports team to actually know. I mean, I know a couple of the players' names, but do we have a mascot? I don't even know. I've never watched a game. I watched the highlights recently. Yeah, I watched that one shot. That one? Yeah, yeah. the one shot. I watched that like several times. Right? Almost a game's worth cool. of times. That yeah, was cool. That is the most Blazers I have ever watched. <laughs> uh, same. <clears throat> Are all Blazers games like that all the time? I might have to go to one. Mm, no, they're most many of them are like the the way that the the game was leading up to that, which was it, it was excruciatingly close. There was a point where we were we were down like 15 and then but mostly it was just excruciatingly like within we were within five mm. of the other team the whole time and it was terrible and it was I mean that game really was incredibly close until like the last five seconds. I don't think I can handle I mean, that we kind of anxiety for an extended period of time. Yeah. What does a baseball what does a basketball game last like mm, eight days? Two to three hours. Oh, two to three hours. Depends it's on whether they drink cricket, wine dude. or not. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, my answer is A. <clears throat> Um, so, uh, that's, that is a good guess because that is the, um, the year of the debut of the franchise. Uh, but the correct answer is 2002. Oh. Um, at the time, uh, at the time that the franchise was sort of rebranding from the, what was called the jailblazers period where there was a lot of. That's a clever name. Yeah. There were, there, there was a lot of bad behavior. Some of it 
I say bad behavior. Some of it was genuinely bad behavior and some of it was just like getting busted with weed a lot um, associated with the team. So they were trying to rebrand as a family franchise. So they brought in Blaze the Trailcat, who's supposedly a silver mountain lion. I've never heard this before, but like he's just a big anthropomorphized cat who like always wears like sweat sweatsuits and, and often like DJs at halftime. Really? Um, yeah, I'm fascinated by Blaze because no, you never see Blaze on anything. Do the official um, records indicate how often Blaze is stoned? Um, well, no. Or, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's interesting they tried to rebrand from our players keep yeah, doing college yeah. marijuana to our mascot is named Blaze. <laughs> wink, wink. Uh, but yeah, so the your. Your question, Ed, was valid. Um, this is from Wikipedia. Prior to Blaze's debut, the Trailblazers never had any official mascot. A popular unofficial mascot was the late Bill, quote, the Beer Man Scott. <laughs> <laughs> a Seattle beer vendor hyphen cheerleader who worked for numerous pro teams, including the Trailblazers, the Seattle Seahawks, and the Seattle Mariners. Scott worked for the Trailblazers from 1981 through 1985. Oh God, that's delightful! Is he wasn't he wasn't even just a guy in a costume? He just showed up and like, ah, I love the Blazers. I, yeah, I'm assuming it's very much like the Dance in Homer episode like of The Duff Simpsons, Man? where he just like he just sort of like walked out onto the field and everybody was like, <laughs> or the court, and everybody was like, great, this guy really likes this team. <laughs> Birdman's here to say I love the Blazers. <laughs> hoot hoot. <laughs> Well, if the podcast does end, we have a job for Ed. <laughs> I got, I got the uh, the milk bar cake book, and I have not. I've never done any of the cakes in the original. I kind of am scared of cake. Mm-hmm. You know, frosted cake in the middle of recording a podcast might have been a bad idea. <laughs> I'm I'm all right with it. My already naturally resonous voice may get a little more sticky, sticky and mm. rotund. <laughs> That's what people are always saying. And his voice is so rotund. rotund. The rotunditry of my vocalizations. <laughs> You're listening to Mike Sugarbaker, the stickiest voice in radio. Oh, no. I'll own that one. Welcome Y'all don't st- want it. Welcome to Sticky Talk. <laughs> yes. With Sugar Baker. Let's talk more sticky. That's a gag I'm going to keep using. <laughs> I'm excited about it. Like, let's talk more stick. Mm, that sounds like a Joe Rogan better. episode. Yeah. Oh, true. Are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm just seeing if you're ready. I think I'm ready. Okay. I believe that... The right of next question belongs to either Kat or Brendan. I think it's your turn. All right. Uh, I'm just going to go and do this. This is a lightning round. Oh, shit. I'm going to give you a name, and you're going to tell me whether it's a horse that ran in last year's Kentucky Derby or a strain of weed. I'm sorry, last year's Kentucky Derby? <laughs> last year's Kentucky okay. Derby. I just need to calibrate my, yeah. my fact. Pay your expectations. <laughs> Number one, Ed. Wedding crasher. Horse. You're on wrong. It is weed. Mike. <laughs> yeah. Free drop Billy. That's a horse. That's a horse, correct. Yeah. Kristen. Magnum Moon. I'm going with weed. You're wrong, it's a horse. Cat. <laughs> Sunset Sherbert. I think that's weed. You are correct. Uh, Ed. Harlequin. Horse. That is weed. <laughs> Mike, red-headed stranger. Oh, that's tough. I'm going to go horse. It's the best. It is weed. Ah! <laughs> it, 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 is, it is, on the other hand, the best Taco Bell song ever sung by Willie Nelson. <laughs> Kristen, noble indie. I'm going to go with horse again. You are correct. Well hmm. done. Cat. Instilled regard. Horse. You are correct. That is a horse. Uh, I've just got a couple more. Ed, good magic. Horse. That's correct. Mike, flame away. (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, on the one hand, it can't be weed, and yet it could be weed. It's an edible. Yeah. It's a horse. Yeah. Horses are edible. Yep. I mean, in a pinch. Do, do they get you high, though? Depends on how many you eat. And what they ate first. Kristen. Uh, I think I'm running out of names here. Did I already ask my boy Jack? Uh, no. Um, it's clearly a Labrador retriever. <laughs> I'm going to go with horse. You're correct. And cat Tahoe cookies. That's weed. That's, a- that's accurate. Yes. It is enormously <laughs> fun to just say it's horse or it's weed. I could do that all day. <laughs> Did you have some Tahoe cookies? <laughs> No, I drove here. <laughs> <laughs> who's uh, who's got another question for us? I have one. All right. Two. What is the Rotten Tomatoes rating of the film Most Vertical Primate? Sequel to the film Most Valuable Primate, in which Jack the Chimpanzee learns to skateboard. Is it A, 9%, B, 22%, C, 41%, or D, 88%. I'm going to say D, 88%. I'm going to say 40. Did you say 41%? 41. It sounds like one yeah. of the best movies ever made. I mean, can it really capture the I'm magic say, of the original? So. Mm, I'm going to say 12%. Is, is, it, is it part of the Project X series of films? No. No. So. Nobody plays sports in those movies. They all die. They fly airplanes. That's... A, is that a sport? <laughs> Nothing in the rulebook that says a chimp. Can't fly an airplane. Nothing in the rule book. That makes it a sport. <laughs> my answer is A, because I'm answering A to all multiple choice questions. Well, you're wrong, and Mike was right. It was 41%. I did see. Wow. It wow. is the highest rated of any movie in that franchise. <laughs> Both of them? Uh, all three. Oh, there's three. What's the other one? <laughs> the third one is... Project X? No, Honestly, close. It's <laughs> MXP, Most Extreme Climate. <laughs> He snowboards. Wow. But it's Rotten Tomatoes score is 14%. (laughs) I figure with the added boost of of stoner humor, Mm. that like the combination of actual critical scores and just internet brigading would probably get most vertical primate Mm. the highest. (laughs) I'm the most vertical primate. In the room? Sure. (laughs) You're not even standing up. (laughs) And yet, here I stand. Uh, Sitting. Yeah, so I had a different question, but I just thought of another question, which I think is complimentary and better. All, all of the questions that you want. <laughs> all right. How many films are there in the Airbud franchise? Oh, God. Seven. Five. Six. Counting the spinoffs? Oh, yeah. <laughs> 22. <laughs> Uh, so I believe Ed is technically closest. The number is 12. 12? 12 Airbud movies. Air Buddies, Airbud Golden Receiver. That Like, there's, a, there's an, a, at any given time, at least four are on Netflix. In case you need <laughs> I have, to I have Is that a thought. statutory thing? Or? And, <laughs> it probably is. My hand technically against the Geneva Convention. <laughs> <laughs> My Hand the Dog. I have never watched a single Airbud movie. I watched one of them a few years ago when my cat, uh, Schuster, RIP, was recovering from dental surgery. And we both found it a bit dull um, because it's like the basketball doesn't even really get going until the last half. Mm. Um, There's a lot of backstory about some kid whose dad died and like a mean circus clown. That um, everybody was living with and the kid and the dog don't find each other and join the same basketball team until like 45 minutes in. Nobody goes to an Airbud movie about a, to listen to a story about a kid. Who gives a shit? They want to hear about yeah, the dog. I don't, I don't want to be sad. I want to watch basketball with dogs. Dog, bo- da- dog, dog ball. Dog, dog ball. Yeah. I mean, that's the classic thing about movies that often show up on Mystery Science Theater 3000 is you name it something like Space War and you do everything in your power <laughs> to avoid showing space or wars because mm. that's expensive to film. What, what, is the, <laughs> what is the Phantom of the Menace? Bureaucracy. <laughs> All right, you guys, hear me out. After uh, Think Again, my friend, our next podcast is going to be, well, I mean, obviously we start with just watching all of the Airbud films and commenting on them one by one. 
And, <laughs> and then we can go into that's... other Airbud related topics. And it's called Nothing's in the Rules. Mm, mm. It's actually yeah, a named trope really on TV good. tropes, oh, which I found. Nothing's in the rules. While looking up, I, mm, I'm, I'm, I'm a little fixated on Airbud as a weed euphemism. Okay, mm, yeah. I'm having a hard time podcast, getting past that. I'm going to have to ingest a lot of Tahoe cookies. <laughs> yes, uh, I mean, okay. I would name a horse Airbud. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing in the rules that says you can't. <laughs> there is. There are, there are things in the rules. <laughs> Can you explain horse naming conventions bef- now? Because I didn't know this was actually a thing. I always just assumed that horse names were just insane because people who have enough money to own horses are there. There are things that are, are wrong with them. Yes, yeah, that um, checks out. You're right, but I believe it has to incorporate the names of both parents and has to be never used before in the history of horse racing by any registered horse. Mm. So. Well, I mean that's that's the rules. running out. That's the rules of any registered animal product, whether it's the AKC, AKC or something else. Yeah, and that's exactly. one of the. I, I feel like it's one of the reasons why those names get so weird is because everybody's trying to come up with something it's, unique. It's not. It's definitely not in the rules that you have to name an AKC dog after its parents, but it's yeah. a frequent. Oh, for sure. I'm, I'm talking about the uniqueness of the name. Yeah. I'm not. I, I, that's correct. The na- the name has to be unique, but it's it's super common to yeah. have like the fourth. And the third, I, for instance, we owned Sir Dudley Do Right the fourth. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you call him by his formal name at all times? Mm, I think only when he was in a lot of trouble, um, or or when we were, I don't know, trying to flatter him. But but typically, we just called him Dudley. Dudley. Yeah, he was a good boy. Who's got more? Ed, is it you? Yes. Uh, the Scotland Island Five Hundred was first held in 1973 as a bet, presumably drunk. Between two ferry captains. Dave Baum declared that his ferry was faster than Captain Lowry Duff's ferry. And for some reason, they elected to solve this debate by making their dogs swim their ferry route between Bell's Wharf on Skyland Island and Church Point on the mainland. This is in Australia. Oh, okay. A 600-meter stretch of water. The race continues to be held every Christmas Eve and is open to the public for entry. What is the entry fee? Um... A six pack. A platypus. A platypus. Seven dollars. Seven dollars. Price of the ferry ticket to watch them. Price of a ferry ticket to watch them. All practical answers. Michael is the closest. Um, a long neck bottle of beer and a can of dog food Aww. is the entry fee. Uh, it used to be back in the olden days that the winner got all of the beer and dog food. Um, now there's some sort of. Um, actual prize for it. I don't know what it is. But it's about 600 meters to make dogs just swim into the ocean. <laughs> I've never been so happy to be almost right. <laughs> <laughs> Do sharks ever get that? I don't have any information Damn about it, sharks God. and dogs I'm in so Australia. sorry. <laughs> I had to. How, how many dogs enter this thing typically? Is it like still two dogs? I don't really. I honestly, I don't have a good sense of how popular this is. Um what I, what I can tell you is there are a lot of web pages on the quote-unquote internet that talk about the 500 Scotland, whatever the hell this thing is, Scotland Island 500. There's a lot of people really interested in it. I get the sense that, I mean, it's been going on for 40 years, and they do it every year. How often do the dogs eat a shark? At least twice. <laughs> Big dogs, small sharks. <laughs> Tasmanian <laughs> sharks. Hmm. Tasmanian dogs. I have questions now. Yep. They're about Sonic the Hedgehog. Perhaps the foremost animal athlete in history. He's got all five rings. That's correct. <laughs> he has hundreds of rings at times. <laughs> um, Not when I play. What is Sonic the Hedgehog's middle name? Oh, God, I didn't even know this. There are multiple answers to this. Is it, multiple chances to be right. Is it Theodore? Entertainment. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I actually believe I know the answer to this, but I can't recall it, and so I'm just going to say Dr. Spaceman. Millhouse. Mm. Oh, yeah. All good answers. Uh, <laughs> according to Sonic himself, it is Speed. Speed is my middle name. Mm. His friends always thought it was The. <laughs> <laughs> but according to the Archie Comics canon, and I've seen the comics page upon this was printed. A well-renowned... 
resource on Sonic the Hedgehog Archie comics. Precisely. This is somewhat controversial in the Sonic fandom. Uh, but it is Maurice. Maurice. Yeah. His first name also apparently was supposed to be different, but that didn't make it onto the page. Are we to presume that his last name is Hedgehog? Yes. Sonic the Maurice Hedgehog? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Some call him the gangster of love, though. <laughs> I have another Sonic oh, Hedgehog. Oh my, oh my God. His middle name is The Maurice. Yeah. Yeah. Some call him. <laughs> some call him The Maurice. Some call him Space Cowboy. However, during development, before they come up with the branding, after the news, a hedgehog, what were they calling him internally at Sega? You little shit. <laughs> Entertainment. <laughs> Mario side. Unnamed possum project. <laughs> <laughs> Kristen is the closest. The answer is Mr. Needlemouse. <laughs> Mr. Needlemouse. <laughs> Not a, a mouse. Face, a face that can do no cross needles. Stitch. Not a mister. It could be. Uh, all right. One more quick question about Sonic. Uh, what is the oldest system to have an official Sonic the Hedgehog game released for it? And in what year? What year's bonus points? It's original Genesis. Uh, I couldn't tell you the year it came out. I my guess would be eighty nine. It happened to me. I was there. Sega is well known as being a gaming company that long precedes electronic games. In fact, they spent they made their money off pinball machines in the forties and fifties. So I'm going to say it was a pinball machine in 1952 in Poughkeepsie, and his name is Harold. <laughs> Was that a question? His name was Harold. You can keep answering Thank if you. you want, but yes. I was there. I'm, I'm losing say, my edge. I'm going to say 1979. I'm losing my edge. I thought edge. this podcast was going to be about sports. <laughs> I did not prepare any video game the kids, uh, Yeah, I, I left all my dogs playing poker questions at home. Three different Sonic games all came out in 1991. That was the first one. Uh, the Genesis version was the first one released. But oh. after that, they released versions simultaneously for the Game Gear yes. and the Master System. Hmm. There was an 8-bit version of Sonic. Oh, my God. Interesting. Right? I only had the Sega version. It was like Sonic, but worse. Was that in Japan only or something? That is not clear to me. Okay. Hmm. Huh. Yeah, I was so about... It was a, ma- a Master gonna... System back rub? Yeah. I was going to try to perseverate in my James Murphy impression, but I wasn't there, and now it's obvious. Uh, I, have one, I have one last do you, one. Do you have another question? Kind of a downer in context. but it's, Let's do it. All right. What sport did Eddie the Sea Otter at the Oregon Zoo learn to play to help with his arthritic elbows? Masturbation. Not televised on the official YouTube channel. Oh. <laughs> Cannot confirm or deny. <laughs> Uh, A, basketball, B, tennis, C, rugby, D, League of Legends. I'm going to say D, League of Legends, that one, because that's most like masturbation. <laughs> the leg of legions. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure that joke is only new to me, but right. sorry, go ahead. No, I'm, I'm done. That, those are the... All right, go on basketball. Uh, it was, it was basketball, uh, but he, he did have other, he did have other hobbies for which he was... <laughs> Less formally well-known. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just really curious now whether sea otters are flexible enough to yep. reach their genitals with their <laughs> yep. stubby little arms. No, yeah, not You remove arms. one of the ribs. he was a horny there, old man, was, is what you're yeah, saying. The, the Oregonian posted video after he died. <laughs> You can't laugh wow. at a dead of, person. Of Eddie, Eddie the Otter. That's right. Of Eddie, Eddie the Otter uh, sucking his own hog. <laughs> Eddie loves to otter. Wow. Yep. 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 Uh, I mean, who? Picking it up in and, the mid body. Yeah, and they called the Oregon Zoo PR, and they confirmed that he was he was a role. He model. was the most confident. <laughs> confident. Yeah. Wouldn't you be? And for what it's worth, Cat, yeah. he didn't have to remove a rib to do that. It's, yeah. just, it's just natural for otters. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, That's what yes. they call otter fellatio. He, he also loved to play 
He loved to play basketball, and he had a he had a Blazers backboard, and it was the the video is very soothing and very cute and wholesome, and appropriate for children. <laughs> Just like masturbation. <laughs> but you might not want to show videos <laughs> to your children. On the Oregonian dot com. On the Oregon, yeah. yeah. Well, it's OregonLife.com. I. Oh. <laughs> I try to forget about that. Um, Kat, do you have a uh, follow-up? Only that he's dead now. <laughs> <laughs> so it really doesn't matter. Fuck you, Eddie. You're dead. But he died at 20. Yeah, he's he lived a ripe old age. He, he died doing what he loved, sucking himself <laughs> off. I don't think that's true. No. Oh, and shooting noobs. <laughs> Oh, uh, I don't think anyone has more questions. Oh, I do. Oh, dear. Okay. I'm always overprepared. Oh, I've got geez. one question. All right. In Western Turkey, camel wrestling is popular. <laughs> oh, yeah. Camel wrestling takes place in an open-air stadium and starts with the two contestant bull camels being led into the arena before being exposed to the lurid charms of a single cow. <laughs> As the cow is led away, the bulls begin to froth at the nose and mouth until they are angry enough to fight. How was the winner selected? My answer is A. A. This is not a multiple choice question, but I appreciate that, and I will give you the answer of A, death. <laughs> I'm going to say uh, by just crowd cheers. Crowd cheers. Yeah. Um, it's fixed. Oh, well. <laughs> the, who wins is completely arbitrary. Oh, they're depends definitely on, not fixed. Yes. Depend, <laughs> <laughs> you fix them, they don't froth. Yeah, it depends on whose who's parents bet more money. It's, mm-hmm. it's, all, it's all for show. I think the cow picks. Mm. The cow picks, yeah. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking... I do know the answer to this, actually. Oh, uh, one has to pin the other one with its neck, or one has to run away. <laughs> and the other one wins. Interesting. It's really specific... Now, the answer is generally the winner sits on top of a loser. <laughs> oh. It just just takes a seat. Apparently, that's enough of a show of dominance. I don't know about the neck thing. That's weirdly specific. I do like that you came up with that, and I'm curious to find out what you think you're talking about. I think we read very similar articles, but possible. in different places. Listen, I hope, you're not, I hope you're not suggesting that the three websites I read about camel wrestling may not have the totality of truth around the sport. <laughs> I would never suggest such a thing. <laughs> I do have my one last question. All right. So, in the 2003 Fox TV series, Man vs. Beast, mm-hmm. humans and animals were pitted against each other in various competitions of skill or strength. Um, it was widely panned by both television critics and animal rights groups. Uh, I just want you to come up with a contest, a, an indirect contest between one or more humans and one or more animals... Where you think either side could plausibly win? I'm going to say uh, Takaro Kobayashi against a brown brown bear eating hot dogs. We also read the same article here. <laughs> I see. Specifically, the way it was phrased on the page was he lost a hot dog eating contest against a Kodiak bear that did not know it was in an eating contest. <laughs> it's just lunch. <laughs> I can't follow that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was that was what I was leading up to anyway. <laughs> All right, Kristen, uh, who who really won today? Friends we made along the way? Uh, the answer is Air Bud. <laughs> I think that Kodiak bear won and it didn't even know it was in the contest. <laughs> Eddie the Otter. Oh, oh well, uh, you Looking know down what? down at us now. Yeah. Can you see us from that angle? <laughs> I can't. Well, he's in heaven now, so his position's inverted, and he's looking down upon all of us as he swallows as much of his rod as he can. People in the room are now doing things just, just with their hands in space that I think are going to injure them. The answer is, if we manage to get recording of this episode successfully and don't destroy the audio files after having used the word shark, then we all win. You know what? We're here. Fuck sharks. Yeah. Yeah. 2020. Fuck sharks. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> the show is produced by Michael Sugarbaker, Kristen McCurdy, Brendan Atkins, and Kimberly Armstrong, who made a cake. That gets you production credit around yeah, here. Yeah, show cake. Yeah. Okay.
Thank you for listening. You can find us at thinkagainmyfriend.show. We have a shiny old website. And um, yeah, you can't leave comments there. Lots of patina. (laughs) Yes. Good night. Good night. Enjoy your drive. Our theme contains elements from the album, Waves of Energy, by Synthetic Synergy. Our show is copyright 2019. All rights reserved. Horse. You are correct, that is a horse.